This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? It's Jake here. Before we get to today's podcast, we're going to talk real quick about a show that's out on the Blue Wire Network that I think you'll be interested in. Abner Mars is a world champion, boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner's a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll finally hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man that he is today. On the podcast, they chat about many different topics, including the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champion, his American dream, sports music, culture, and family life, and many more. And he just recorded a podcast with LL Cool J that I think you guys would be particularly interested in. So check that out. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mars wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Check it out and check out many other great Blue Wire Network podcasts. Now, let's get to today's show. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select... Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby! Touchdown! Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR film breakdown post-game coverage of um, a pretty disastrous... 38 to 7 loss by your Cleveland Browns. Um you know, I don't I don't re- I've had a lot of thoughts running through my head sort of all day as I've been looking at what to say about this game and you know, I don't I don't want to incite panic. I don't want to incite uh, a level of acceptability for what happened. Um you know, it was all around a pretty pretty strange game in terms of if you look at the you look at the box score after the game and it was and Cleveland went for 220 yards. Pittsburgh went for 277. Neither team very good on third downs. Cleveland and abysmal one for 12, and Pittsburgh five for 14. So neither team were very good there. Uh, 4.5 yards to 4.1. The difference here, um, seven penalties to six penalties, was the two turnovers. You know, Cleveland punted six times. Pittsburgh five. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh was able to score five touchdowns. Um, if you include. You know, the pick six that Mayfield threw there, you can, you could say they only scored four defensive touchdowns, but it never obviously felt close. And um, despite the numbers at the end looking pretty strange and Cleveland turning out one of their better defensive yardage performances, it was, you know, it was, it was not good at all. And I think that obviously it was an offensive nightmare. And, um, you know, I, I guess we can start, you know, start there. Mayfield goes. Uh, 10 of 18, 119 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Case Keenum goes 5 of 10, uh, 46 yards when he arrived. 
you know, on the receiving end, mixed bag, six catches, sorry, five catches on six targets, 52 yards for Hooper. Jarvis Landry, three catches on five targets, 40 yards. Odell Beckham, another two catches on uh, only four targets, 25 yards. Kareem Hunt, two catches on three targets, 17 yards. And then um, Rashard Higgins had a catch of 13 yards and a touchdown, their only touchdown of the day. Harrison Bryant had a catch off a little boot. Stretch fake there for 11 yards. And then David Njoku had a catch for 7 yards. So, um, yeah, I, I guess we need to sort of analyze. I, I I don't know. We need to analyze what's going on offensively. I think that we'll start with this. Pittsburgh's a terrible matchup for what Cleveland loves to do. They love to run wide zone. And Pittsburgh is um, extremely tough on the interior, enough so that they feel like they can handle th- four gaps with three players pretty consistently sometimes two players, and then, you know, their edge guys between, you know, we know T.J. Watt's a very good player, and Bud Dupree's really come on, you know, as a as an edge threat, and, and they just take away wide zone stuff, and they make you run between the tackles, and the Browns haven't always wanted to run between the tackles. Even their gap schemes have been sort of predicated on getting the football to the perimeter, you know, pinning down or kicking out and getting to the perimeter. So Pittsburgh challenged Cleveland to run between the tackles. And the thing was, I thought I thought Cleveland did run between the tackles several times pretty successfully, ran some duo schemes that I was surprised they didn't come back to a little bit more. And uh, and I think, I think Hunt ran for a couple of his bigger gains on those plays. I think his long was 10 yards. He ran for 10 yards in this late first quarter on one of those. And um, I, they did not seem to be committed to doing that. They wanted to, I mean, they fell behind quick. Obviously you're behind 10, nothing in the matter of the first, um, seven minutes of the game with Mayfield's interception. And it's like, they feel a little bit of pressure to have to throw the football. I didn't think they abandoned the run necessarily, but you know, you went behind 17, nothing early in the second quarter. And all of a sudden you really have to, you have to find a way to throw the football. And then it's 24, nothing midway through the second quarter at the 543 mark. And, and uh, you know you're running at that point. You're you're almost wasting your energy because you just don't have enough time to make a comeback if you don't start, you know, start throwing the football with some success. So I don't know. Um, I guess you really have to look at evaluating a couple things. I didn't think Stefanski did a great job calling this game. I think he's been. Uh, if you look at the two defenses that have given him fits a little bit as a coordinator, it was. Baltimore and Pittsburgh here who both run unique 3-4 style defenses. A little different in nature, but they're they're pretty similar in structure. How they approach certain positions on the defense is a little different, but um uh these two defenses, these two 3-4s have given him fit. So he has to find some answers for how to uh to how to how to attack these two defenses because they've given him run game issues. To you know, both teams like, you know, Pittsburgh is really good um at, at really being able and trusting their guys to take care of the front side of zones so that, you know, the Browns couldn't get boot action off of it. They, they would designate a guy to, to stay home, backside edge, backside uh, walk down safety, whatever, to stay home on the quarterback on boot fake. And they did not want, uh, they didn't want Cleveland feeling comfortable setting up play action. And if you watch it, you know, they brought people all the time from different various angles, and they really wanted Cleveland to feel very uncomfortable throwing from play action, and uh, it was impactful, and it, it it changed how Cleveland was able to call the game offensively. And like I said, I didn't think Stefanski did a great job. I don't think he really helped out his offensive line. I didn't think he helped out his tackles enough with tight ends helping block. And um, 
you know, I also didn't think they did enough to to offset Pittsburgh's aggression in certain situations with screen game. They did a little bit of screen game, but I would have loved to have seen more. And I'd love to see some some wide receiver tunnel screen stuff, like just different things like that. But they there's not a willingness to do that yet. And I still think they're being highly predictable. Like if they're in the gun, and I'm going to write about this tomorrow, but if they're in, 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 the, in the first half, they put themselves in the gun, various situations, long yardage, whatever, and they're putting Janovich in there to block as the back in the backfield. And like you're automatically giving up the idea that the defense has to cover the back out of the backfield like whatsoever. You put 31 in the backfield, he's not going to run a route. He's just going to be in there to block to help be a six blocker. And while that's good in theory, like it's allowing Pittsburgh to take an extra defender out of coverage, or sorry, out of a guy who would have to be responsible for the back in coverage and leaving him to to chill. And that's a big deal. I think they did that five or six times on third down in the first half. And I'm like, I'm confounded by that because Kareem Hunt is like the ideal, you know, the ideal third down back. I don't know if this is a Kareem needs a break type of thing. Um, and they don't trust, you know, Dearness Johnson or, 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 you know, Dontra Hilliard to do that. I'm not sure, but you know, the Browns need a little bit more deceptive deception. They don't run the football from the gun. They, they refuse to seemingly refuse to run the football from the gun. So there's a level of predictability there for defenses that they know a pass is coming. And then, you know, if they're under center, it's very rarely. I think I only saw one straight drop from under center for Mayfield, uh, a five-step drop. So they know it's a couple run schemes they like, or it's it's a play-action pass. And it's like there's just they're not really breaking, you know, breaking those tendencies like I'd like to see. So I I just you know you praise Stefanski when things go right. You got to you got to say he didn't call a great game. I think Kevin has admitted the same things and. Hopefully he can learn from these two games against Pittsburgh and Baltimore about what these two teams do because, you know, Pittsburgh and Baltimore entrenched in their defensive approach and they've been doing a lot of the same things for a long time and uh, it worked for them and their personnel is so, you know, so finely tuned to handle that, um, what the, the, the questions are, sorry, what the assignments are for their defense that they're just really in tune with what their defensive coordinator wants and it was something Cleveland couldn't solve. So, um, young head coach, still only a second year as a play caller. There's a lot to be learned here. Hopefully he can do that. Before we keep going, talking about this disappointing loss uh, the Browns had at the hands of the Steelers, we're going to talk to you about Indeed um, because, obviously, why not? Sports had a break. Businesses didn't have to keep things moving. Hopefully you're able to make those hires that are ever so important, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because it gets you everything you need. And the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility of your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million other businesses. And I'll be honest, every time I've looked for a job, or when I've been responsible for training slash hiring somebody for a job, I've always gone with Indeed. I think they give the best tools to both employers and people seeking out jobs, and hopefully you will give them the opportunity uh, to, to go to work for you. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means even more quality candidates will see it, and they'll see it fast. Try out Indeed with a $75 credit, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions do apply. Make sure you check those. Offers valid through December 31st. Make sure you check that great deal out at Indeed. Also want to talk to you guys about Pepsi. 
There's a lack of natural athleticism and commitment or overbearing sports parents. Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined together and formed another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter what. Pepsi's the refreshment that you need to power through any game day. I turn to Pepsi when I need some sort of energizing refreshment. Make sure you're doing the same, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Now, let's talk about the unfortunate quarterback play that we saw and sort of are continuing to see. So, I have people I trust that work at organizations that analyze these things, Some say that the grade is going to be in the 20s or 30s. Some say that it is going to make Mayfield the worst overall graded quarterback in the league through six weeks. And look, you're going to fall on two ends of the spectrum here. And you can, um, you know, there's, (laughs) I don't know, there's no right or wrong here, I guess. I'm not here to tell you how to feel about the guy. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. There's no okay. It's it's subjective, but it's not subjective to me. So like, if you want to defend Baker Mayfield, you're gonna just keep defending him. No matter what happens, you're gonna blame it on the scheme last year, or uh, the constant coaching turnover, or the or the different systems in a matter of how many years, three years. It's like you're just gonna do that stuff. And while that's fine, and you can also point to the record of four and two, you know, also fine. Uh, there's there's an element of of looking at actually and isolating what's going on here and the stuff that I've wrote about now for a year and a half, which is that, um, you know, Mayfield's making poor decisions. He's not reading the field. He's not processing, and he's not he's not comprehending what's going on right in front of him. And that is, as you guys know, or should know, a problem and a problem that leads to terrible offense and a problem that puts your team. Uh, behind in games or doesn't help your team close out games and that's what's going on with Mayfield so if the Browns are able to give Mayfield simplified reads with an open first read whether that's play action or out of the gun he'll make the throw pretty typically for the most part he's sometimes missing first reads but that's not as consistent as others but uh, as other issues but he's just not processing what's going on consistently in front of him i continue to say that if you give him schemed open stuff boot fakes rollouts whatever he'll be fine and um that was the case yesterday but if you make him process defense if you make him work uh one read to the second if you make him work in the pocket to maintain poise it's not going to go well for him he he, you know if you look at this game at the start you know the, the interception is a is a snap where he opens left he has two slants and a flat to his left side. He he does not see Minka Fitzpatrick rolling down and reading his eyes and taking away the first slant by number two inside and just jumps it. If he just would have baited Minka inside and thrown the slant to Beckham, it's a, it's a gain of 20 yards. It's a throw that's caught at the minimum of first down. You know, with, with Minka leaving and, and voiding that zone, it could have been an even bigger play, but instead it's an interception and six the other way. They come back out. Uh, he misses uh, a throw. His next throw is a throw over the middle that I think if it doesn't get knocked down is intercepted. And it goes on and on from there. And what happens is, you know, Mayfield has never been a high-volume interception guy. And he started to trickle up in the interceptions his rookie year. Teams started to sort of figure out, play some zone defense on him and figure out eventually he's going to throw it to the wrong team too often. He gets up to 12 interceptions by the end of his rookie year, I think it was, or 14 actually is what it gets to, which is a higher volume than 
you know, some of us as draft analysts really thought was normal for him. The next year he comes out and throws 21. So all he keeps hearing about is this high volume of interceptions. And what he's been trying to fight is turning the ball over. He throws two last week. His first pass attempt of this week, he throws one. And then you can see him starting to say, I'm nervous. I don't want to throw interceptions. I don't want to hurt my team. And he's a ghost. Uh, sorry, he's seeing ghosts. And you can tell, like, you know, everybody makes fun of Sam Darnold for that whole I'm seeing ghosts thing happening. And that's fine, um, you know, because Sam said it on TV and they played it and stuff. But there's no doubt in my mind that the same thing is happening to Mayfield. He's, you know, there's a play, the first sack that they took, or maybe the second sack. I'm not entirely sure. I think it was the second sack off play action on the second and two on the plus side of the field towards Pittsburgh territory. He takes the sack on a two-man play action route where Pittsburgh is selling forward. They have two deep coverage players. One's chasing Odell on a post, and they have an over route that's wide open, and he just doesn't throw it. He has no anticipation to throw it. So what's going on is with Mayfield, he's he something bad happens to him, and once that bad thing happens to him in this game, you can start to see a real reluctance to throw the football into what he believes like you just you know if you don't see Minka Fitzpatrick on that first throw you start to question all the time is there somebody there who I don't see right like you start seeing figurative ghosts is there somebody there on this over route that I don't see I'm a little afraid to throw it because there might be somebody out there and I didn't check quite far enough out there I'm not trusting what I'm seeing he throws that uh, or sorry he doesn't throw it and it's like we watch it and he's not throwing to people that are open and he's he's completely out of rhythm. And listen, the offensive line didn't play that well. There's no doubt about that. But when I'm watching this game, I am seeing people open. Now it's tight, right? They're tight. They're tight quarters, but there are people that are, that are certainly have the opportunity to catch the football if the quarterback delivers it. And I think that's the problem is that Mayfield is not seeing the middle of the field well at all. His second interception where he scrambles out and floats one up on the right sideline in the structure of the play, listen, he gets somebody blown sort of back into his lap after after the top of his drop, but he resets, and if he just can find Odell, Odell Beckham on the left hash right in front of his face, he can pick up a first down on third and 12, but instead he floats and and uh, and throws one up. So I, li- <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't really have a great answer for you other than this quarterback that they're playing is not – he's not making great decisions. He's not finding people within structure. He's not able right now to process the middle of the field. And what, you know, what more evidence do you need than the Browns, you know, pushing their quarterback on, on, on sprint out passes five times in a game? You'll see a team sprint out once in a while, maybe on a third and short to take advantage of a little pick concept or something. But to sprint your quarterback out five times in two and a half quarters like they did with Mayfield is an indication that they have no faith in him sitting in the pocket and deciphering things right now. It's just it's just not working for him. It's not working for their offense. And it's frustrating the wide receivers. It's frustrating people running over the middle of the field who just know they have no opportunity to catch the ball unless a defense fans out their defensive line and allows him to find a window. So like right now, he's shorter. Obviously, we know he's a little shorter, and he's not finding passing windows. Teams are congesting things right in front of his pocket, and there are no outlets for him to get rid of the ball laterally. There's no crisp pocket movement. There's no ability to to work eyes to, to peel people off of where he wants to go back to. It's very rare. Uh, he did have the touchdown to Higgins where he sort of pump faked up the hash and was able to bite the corner, but 
that's not happening enough. And, you know, the predictable nature of, of some of the things they're doing offensively mixed with Mayfield's inability to see certain portions of the field and process uh, things that are going on from pre-snap to post-snap, it's just going to, it's going to be a struggling offense. Now, Pittsburgh, listen, again, Pittsburgh's defensive front is extremely good, and they know how to play Mayfield better than anybody. All they do is just muddle their secondary. They say just sort of just sort of cover up everything you're trying. You know, if we eventually want to get to cover two, you know, walk down, uh, you know, sell some different things and then get where you need to go. Their idea is we want to change the picture on Mayfield pre-snap to post-snap. That's the goal. Every team should be doing it because right now Baker can't decipher he can't decipher it. He he has no ability to decipher, and he's not throwing one-on-one balls. He's not giving his wide receivers chances on back shoulder throws. Like I think the data said he threw 23 of those throws his rookie year, non-goal line, non-goal line situation. So, um, you know, 10 to hit uh, his own goal line on the one yard line to, to, to the opponent's 10 yard line. He's not throwing back shoulder throws. So he's not giving his wide receivers opportunities. And, um, and it's just it's just a lack of aggression. There's no deciphering him on risk reward on when to give his guys a chance to go get a football for him. And I think that points back to, you know, a general fear of interceptions happening. And um <laughs> I I don't know. I'm a little bit I'm a lot of bit, guys. I'm as lost as you are on what's gone wrong with Baker Mayfield and uh over the course of two years from the guy we saw as a rookie who we thought would keep getting better and is not. He's just not getting better, and defenses have thrown what they feel is the perfect game plan at him, that everybody's doing the same thing, and he's unable to decipher and fix the issues and encounter attack defenses with, with answers. He's not he's not finding answers, and um, I'm not saying that everybody around him played very well today offensively, but he's not doing his job, and if your quarterback is continually not doing his job, at any kind of effective rate, then you're going to have you're going to have massive issues, and you're going to have an offense that can't stay on the football field. And like you know, right now Baker Mayfield is the low end of a game manager. Like getting him to make any unexpected plays or any processing big time throws are very rare. He'll do it every now and again, but it's very rare. He's ultimate game manager, and like I said, the low end of the game manager spectrum right now. Is he ever able to get to the point where he's a game changer type of quarterback? I, I don't I don't see it right now, um, and I'm just being honest with you. He's not. He this was a microcosm of what I think his start was for the year. Where Cincinnati, I thought he bounced back and played decently. I thought the next two games where uh, they needed him to make plays and situations, he he's not able he's not able to make them. So. Um, and he's just missing, he's missing too many things and yeah, they're four and two and that's great. I'm happy for the franchise to be four and two and I hope they push to the playoffs, but until they get better quarterback play, you're going to see more frustrating Sundays like we just saw because teams are going to sell out. Not every team can defend the run, uh, the way Pittsburgh can. There's no doubt about that. Or even Baltimore, even, um, sorry, Washington or, or Indy, not every team can defend it that way. And they're certainly missing Nick Chubb. Don't, you know, I like Kareem Hunt and all that. But Nick Chubb is a different type of zone runner. They're missing him. Um, so <laughs> I I don't know. I'm at a loss. I don't know how to perfectly put this into words. I don't know how to perfectly put it on paper right now. I'm not trying to freak you out, uh, but I just I will always tell you what my eyes see. And right now I see a a bottom of the NFL quarterback. And uh, maybe this gets better over time. Maybe his time spent with Stefanski 
gets better by the end of the year and maybe he gets better in the off season as he gets more of a normal structured off season. I don't know, but like this idea of, um, you know, the system being so new to Baker, that's fine. The things that he's doing guys, the stuff that's new to him is the play action boot fake stuff. And he's doing that stuff well. Like that's one of the few things he's consistently doing well is play action stuff that's new to him. Under center play action boot, under center some of the straight drop stuff is a little bit new to him, but he's done that in the past. Like that stuff is kind of new to him. Like the boot fake is totally new to him. And that's the stuff that he's killing with. He's not doing well with schemes that he's run since like Lake Travis, man. Like simple slant flat, Mills concept, dagger concept stuff. Um, you know, middle of the field dig routes. He's not reading any of that stuff well right now. And yeah, it might be a little bit different in terms of verbiage and where your, you know, your, your, your scheme wants your eyes to be off the snap, but those aren't new concepts to him. Those are things he's run at every level of football. So yeah, you can kind of try to say like, it's a new system. And, and while that's true, so many schemes translate from one system to the next that, you know, that that excuse is not a valid excuse to me. And he has to be able to be a shotgun quarterback and find success over the middle of the field in the NFL. He's not doing it right now. And he's not doing anything positive with 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 50-50 throws to his wide receivers. He's not giving them a chance to feel trusted. And it's just a mess. It's a mess. The passing game is a mess. And their stats reflect it. The data reflects it. And the film reflects it. And like I said, if you want to believe in Baker, and that's fine, like, there's still a route back for him, but I don't know his mental makeup. I don't know how much he's working. Like if you listen to Russell Wilson talk, he has his own podcast and was just on Bill Simmons podcast recently. Like if you listen to that guy talk, it's completely different, man. Just the vibe I get from it is Mayfield working 365 to take care of his body. Is he watching film? Is he, is he doing all of those things? I don't know. So people ask me like, can he figure it out? I don't know, guys. I don't know his mental makeup. I'm not in the coach's office with him. I don't know how much time he's putting in on his own time. I don't know his, you know, a lot of quarterbacks who who, who become the best of the best talk about a fear of letting other people down. Does he have that, that, that psychotic fear of letting his team down and wanting to be in the right position at the right time, making the right play? I don't know. I, I don't, I can't speak to it because I don't know. I'm not around him, but I know that the film is gross right now. The data doesn't do anything to make you feel any better about it. And um, yeah, they're four and two and they got some winnable games coming up, but you know, the Eagles and Texans are not pushovers by any stretch. The Raiders are tough. It's a West coast to East coast game for them, but they're tough. They'll defend. They defended the chiefs pretty well, you know, and Cincinnati's hungry. They they're hungry. They think they can win this game next week in Cincinnati and they want to get more wins. They want to build things the right way. And Burrow does a lot of things really well. So like, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm very, listen, they're four and two and that's great. I feel, I feel good about that. And you should feel good about that too. It's not a reason to like cancel the season. That's not what I'm trying to do by any stretch, but there are legitimate concerns about the quarterback position right now with Mayfield. And, and, um, I'm, I don't, I don't know what other way to say it. We'll see how the rest of the year shakes out, but I'm sure when they turn on this film, they're going to see some opportunities missed and just continue to wonder what do we have to do to get our quarterback to see what we think is there. And if they can't do that, then things start to become a little bit uh, a little bit tough. So I don't have a ton of analysis right now on the defense. I, I promise I will try to stop back on Thursday when we preview Cincinnati round two. It's not a ton to preview because the Browns have already played them. You know them. I will try to uh, to get a quick Cincinnati guest on, but I'll try to touch more on defense 
a little later uh, in the week once I watch the All-22 and try to process what's going on over there. I know Denzel Ward gave up another touchdown on that out-and-up, and I think I think he's trending toward, if the if the trend keeps up, like 12 touchdowns allowed on the year. I think he's a good player, but I just think he has one or two mental mistakes a game that really hurt this defense. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Overall, though, I can't complain. The defense only allowed 277 yards, and they were on the field for 34 minutes, and they held them to five of 14 on third down. And like, I, I don't know. I have a hard time being mad at a defense who's going out there continually knowing their offense just isn't going to move the football. I, I, I don't know. I didn't think the defense played that terribly. They were put up against a ton of really bad field position situations too. Two terrible turnovers, seven points that weren't their own. Another terrible turnover on a, an interception. The Browns could never continually turn the field over to the right side of the field. So it's like, I can't be that mad at the defense. I really can't. They gave up 162 passing yards, and a, a majority of the rushing yards came when the game was clearly out of hand at you know, 24-7 with the Browns taking Mayfield out of the game and having no chance. You just knew it. They were just kind of trying to coast through the game at that point. So I don't know. It's tough, but we'll we'll try to touch on those things later. Before we split, though, do want to talk about BetOnline.ag. You know, BetOnline.ag has been a fantastic sponsor of this podcast for quite some time. They'll continue to do so, and they have some great opportunities for you if you get over there. Um, between you know spreads, totals, team, player, coaching props, it's all there for you to take advantage of, and you can get that welcome bonus by going there and signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's a betonline.ag. That's all one word, blue wire. But online, your online sportsbook experts. So um, four and two, a chance to go to five and two against Cincinnati. Um, it's still all there in front of them. It's not you. You don't have to throw the season in, but they got a lot of you know a lot of things to solve ahead of this ahead of this uh, tough two game little stretch here before the bye. They need the bye week. They're clearly beat up. Um, but if they can go five and two and then have a chance to go six and two, like I said, at home. Um, a chance to go six and two before the bye that'd be really big for them. So it's just one loss. It doesn't have to count as anything more than one loss. If you can, if you let it, you know, rattle around and count as more than one loss, then that's on you as a, as the as the Browns. So um, the hope for them is that they can get this washed out of their mind quickly, just like they did with Baltimore, and bounce back and win a couple games before the bye, which they have, like I said, a great opportunity to beat a team they're better than next week, and then beat. Um, an Oakland team traveling from West Coast to East Coast before the bye week. So uh, everything's still in front of them. It's just uh, a lot of things to, to fix and, and, and need and need better performances, and they need them quick. So thanks for checking in. Hopefully this wasn't too rambling. I don't know. That's what I do on these Sunday night things, man, is uh, a lot of things rattle around in my mind all day, and I try to get them on, on the podcast at the night. But whatever, you know, try my best. So uh, feedback's always welcome. Let me know. Review us on iTunes. Appreciate that. Join us at the OBR. We'll have some stuff up this week on the loss. Try to look forward and be as positive as we can. Until next time, go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.